My guest today is one of the world's best guitarists who we're lucky to have for a second time on the show. I'd like to welcome back the legendary Joe Cetriani. Hi, Roy. How's it going today? Good. You know what? We spoke recently about uh, back in July when the, the Shockwave album was coming out. Well, so that's right. Yeah. It really hasn't yeah. been too long, which is great. How's everything been? How's been your New Year so far? It's all been really just fantastic. Uh, you know, we had a great tour, I guess, since the last time we spoke. We spent about nine weeks in Europe. Uh, then we took, uh, well, I took a break. The other guys are still on <laughs> tour. Uh, aristocrats. And uh, I just saw Mike uh, playing with Brendan Small here last week in the city. Um, so I've been doing nothing <laughs> lately. <laughs> although uh, I, I swear it's more work when you're at home. So um, I've just been working on other music and trying to keep all the, the gear together um, and and getting ready for the tour so uh, I'm really happy that we're kind of focused on uh, getting the the second part of the Shockwave tour together um, we start in about three weeks I guess yeah I want to ask you about that um, NAM is going on in, in California are you there do you go to that event every year you know I try to skip it uh, <laughs> many years ago I used to love going it was great um, there's something really fantastic about it when you're uh, you're completely unknown and you're just a punter you know walking around um, it's really like the biggest candy store for you know a musician uh, but then once uh, you know you've got professional responsibilities it's like a convention where you're a player you know and uh, the, the it's just unbelievable the amount of uh, eyeballs and, and faces that you have to deal with within a very short period of time. So, you know, a lot of artists, they get burnt out after a while. They do it for a good number of years, and then all of a sudden, like me, they go, you know what, I'm not going. <laughs> I can't take it. So uh, every once in a while, if we've got some really unusual new product coming out that I've helped design with one of the companies I work with, um, I'll do the right thing and go down there and, and let people know what it is and um, right. and, and to explain it and to uh, to endorse it. Uh, but this year um, was pretty mellow. You know, we um, with me and Marshall we're we're still in the design phase of a combo, so that's kind of like next year. Um, the uh, Ibanez uh, company is just putting out a uh, different color guitar that I've been using for the last three or four years, so. It didn't really need me to come down and say, "Hey, look, it's black now," you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, and then I also trade off with guys that are my close friends. Like with Ivanez, this year Steve I is putting out a guitar to coincide with the anniversary of Passion and Warfare. So it was a good time for me to stay home and for him to go. So this year he's got to work. <laughs> right. <laughs> is that 25 years for Passion and Warfare? Is that about right? I think it is. Right, 1990. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, kind, of, kind of a year late, but okay. <laughs> that's, that's wild. Um, you know what? Before we get on the tour and all that stuff, there's one other thing I wanted to ask you about, which, which I noticed. I was, uh, you know, the Grammy nominations came out uh, recently, and I was doing, you know, I doing research on who's nominated, and and I was looking at uh, looking for the rock instrumental category, and I noticed that it was discontinued. Yeah, right. For quite a few years, yeah. Yeah, I I lost track of that. And I and so I, I was looking. I saw that you've been nominated for, for in that category something like was it fourteen or fifteen times or something crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, very fortunate that they paid attention to me 
so often. And uh, so, yeah, 15 nominations. Uh, and the categories, I think there were two. I think there was pop instrumental uh, for a while there. A, a couple of songs like Always and Surfing wound up getting nominated multiple times for different versions. Um, and then rock instrumental, um, and then best instrumental performance. Uh, actually, there was maybe three or four categories. But yeah, they've they've been changing. I think because well, it's geared towards television, as right. you know. It's the, the the awards are geared towards the presentation of the show itself, and uh, obviously, instrumental guitar rock has has shrunk. You know, as a as a genre. So it's not like they've got you know, 50 artists that have all put out great records in the same genre, you know. Um, and then I suppose in the last 10 years, I know that there was confusion going on because you'd have, let's say, an artist, let, let's say like Steve Iyer's got a string of instrumental records and he would be competing with, let's say, uh, the Chemical Brothers or let's say uh, a rock band that has one instrumental you know, on right. the record, and, <laughs> you know, and and, and that would be the band that wins, right, all the time. Exactly. <laughs> yes, it it always like would happen that way, and everyone would be so confused, and and Naris would get all this, you know, bad vibes <laughs> for most of their members. I think it was explained to me once that they have like upwards of twenty thousand members, but only about four thousand vote or less. And uh, I remember um, they, I, I joined for like one year, and when I saw the amount of material that they send you to try to understand like how many records you're supposed to listen to and, and vote on, I realized it's impossible for yeah. people to make an informed decision. No musician has time in their life to listen to every artist. I mean, then you'd have no time to write any music. So. Right. <laughs> so it's just like, oh, okay. You know, I'll just forget about it. So. <laughs> yeah, they um, always have had that problem where categories don't make any sense and they don't know where to put put some bands and stuff over yeah, the years. Yeah. So it's a it's a hard thing to do. I mean, yeah. it, on the one hand, it's a it's a it's a cool thing. Anything, anytime artists get recognized, it's great. On the other hand, I think they they realize that you really can't um, rate one person's art against the other. But they ha they have to say, hey, well, that's the way it is, you know. So what are you going to do about it? Still, people do like to celebrate what they think is something that has captured the you know the zeitgeist, the whatever the the, the sound of the moment. And uh, so sometimes it's good, you know. Sometimes somebody yeah. wins that you go, that person should have won. And then other times it's Milli Vanilli, and you go, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> So, right. Uh, well, let, let's jump on to the, the tour th story. It's uh, it's being billed as a surfing the shockwave, right? Like a, a 30 year retrospective, a, a look at all the the old albums in the catalog. And from what I understand, you're playing some songs maybe you haven't played before this time around. Well, we certainly are. Um, we actually, you know, it's we're dipping back even further one record earlier because we are playing uh, the title track to Not of This Earth, which is the first full-length uh, record that I right. put out on Relativity. Um, but I think uh, Surfing the Shockwave sounded better, and that's, yeah. I, that's why my agent and manager decided we should just call it that. And um, and it was, a, it was a good time, I suppose, um, with the, the theme of the album Shockwave Supernova, which was about, you know, a fictitious artist, uh, you know, and their split personality and going through... Uh, period of uh, 
self-examination uh, that uh, the tour would also uh, that theme would also spark the idea that the tour could be a bit of a retrospective um, and then we floated the idea out to the promoters uh, would it be cool if we did an evening with you know we skipped the opening band and we just took the stage to play more songs um, and we've done that once or twice before and it's always super fun very rewarding to be able to go on stage and not be rushed you know mm-hmm. um, uh, so that's what we wound up doing and, and it is a it is a kind of a, a fun career uh, retrospective combined with uh, as I said the, the energy and the theme of the new record uh, which sort of uh, bookends the, uh, the show are you doing it sort of uh, chronologically or, or skipping around or no I don't think so um, I you know it's it, running a show um, is a delicate balance you know you um, you can't just play any old song with any tempo or key signature at any time in the show uh, it's almost like if you had a speech that you had to give uh, you know in front of an audience for two and a half hours you can imagine you'd say wow I can't just get up there and start talking you know you've you have to have some points and you've got to make it flow and then at the end you've got to wrap it up right. and uh, it, to, to make people feel satisfied that it was worth sitting there watching you <laughs> <laughs> so um, we always start the tour with this fantastic uh, enthusiasm about all the stuff we can do and then after about a week we go oh wow that was great and oh wow that didn't work at all you know and uh, so songs uh, are uh, arranged uh, mainly so that the flow of the concert uh, can be very interesting. That it has ups and downs, ebbs and flows. You know, that um, the from from my perspective, that emotionally I'm telling different kinds of stories. Uh, so it's not all just fun songs like you know summer song and stuff like that, uh, but it's also deep songs that are that take reflection and qu- uh, quieter moments with bombastic moments. Um, I'm always very keen to shine the light on the other members um, and show the audience what they're uh, so unique for uh, uh, for doing and for bringing to the concert. So I'd like to have um, either straight out solo sections or parts where their solo abilities are integrated into the show. So that also has to be planned out very well so it doesn't seem like it's just popping up out, out of nowhere. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, it's you can't just go out there and play every song. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and after 15 albums, uh, you know, studio albums, there's just so many songs. And so you can only do about, I don't know, 22 or so or 24 in, a, in an evening with performance. Um, on the average, a song is about five minutes when you, when you uh, factor in the counting and the and a few moments of downtime in between songs. It's about five minutes a song. So when you do the math, you realize that, you know, uh, most of your catalog has got to be left unplayed. Um, So you really do have to pick and choose um, very carefully so that the evening is memorable. So how do you uh, go back and say, okay, I know I got to play, let's say, these 12, right? The, you know, the standard ones that everybody wants to see. And I got, let's say, another 12 I can choose out of, I have 100, I got to choose 12. How do you go yeah. back now and say, have, did you go album through album and just start listening and forget about certain tracks and, re, and and remember, oh yeah, that one was great, I haven't played that in 10 years? Well, it's you know, it's interesting. Uh, part of what you say is, is actually entertained and 
you know, thrown into the mix. It's actually um, a combination of uh, some normal uh, ways of collaborating with people. Um, in other words, you throw it out to the guys in the band. Anybody, you know, have a song they want to play? Uh, or is there a song in the set that is just, like, really pissing you off, you know? <laughs> Um, and it's interesting. Everyone has their, you know, their different point of view. You know, a drummer will say, I always thought this song was great because of the drums. Or, you know, uh, sometimes if they're in the mood of thinking like the sound guy or the lighting guy, they might think, wow, this would be really dramatic as a presentation. Um, and then on that note, uh, I take, um, you know, cues from... Uh, my lighting designer who will say, man, I remember, you know, four tours ago we did this song. It was such a powerful moment, you know, because, you know, the lighting guys are in the audience as well as the sound. But, you know, they're in the audience. They know exactly how the audience feels. If people start talking amongst themselves, they hear it, right? Mm-hmm. We don't, you know, we're, heads are down. We're, we're, we're jamming on stage sometimes. We don't really know how pieces are going over. Um uh, even the uh, merchandise guy will tell you, like, wow, whatever you're playing during this part of the show, nobody comes out of the theater, <laughs> you know, to walk to the merchandise desk, you know. Um, and these were all indications um, about what's been going over in the past. Um, I think I mentioned it to you probably about six months ago that um, it it is true that uh, there's going to be a large percentage of the audience, maybe more than half, that have never seen you before and will probably never see you again. It's the only time, you know. It's that moment where they say, you know, I never saw that guy, and I remember that record, and I always liked it. I'm going to go buy a ticket, see what it's all about. Right. And so if you don't play that most, you know, popular piece of music, then you've kind of turned off this huge portion of the of the audience that night. Um, so I've never been a fan of, of, you know, going out on tour and playing just the third record or something like that, you know. <laughs> right. I, I could see that if you only had four records out or something. But quite frankly, when I first started touring, I only had two records out. So that was easy to do. So I know exactly what that's like, <laughs> going out and playing only what you have because that's the, all you've got. Um, but it just doesn't make any sense because you really do have to think about who's out there. And I think the people who've seen you 12 times, you know, um, they're always going to bitch about, oh, that song again. But um, if you go to Spotify or iTunes or any other, um, you know, digital music service that keeps an up-to-date record of what people actually listen to and like, um, it's a pretty good indication about at least a handful of pieces that you should not ignore. Um, it doesn't mean you have to play them verbatim. You know, you could put a new spin on them, uh, but you should at least be kind uh, to uh, the audience that has been, uh, you know, kind to you by supporting, you know, those particular tracks. So Yeah, you can't, uh, you can't go see Kiss and not hear rock and roll all night. Like, it, that's just not the right thing to do so uh, i i totally agree with that i think that there's always a way to to keep it interesting for both for both parties right so yes yeah um is it the same uh lineup uh as the last tour yes yes i'm uh, very happy that uh i've been able to uh keep marco and and brian and mike entertained with my jokes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they, they haven't split yet yeah. but yeah we, we have a good time uh, this band stays smiling and funny I mean we just 
we never walk on stage brooding. We never walk off stage brooding. Everyone's relaxed and having a good time. I just think that they're absolutely amazing. And um, I try to give them uh, as much room and freedom as I can. Um, and they always seem to get it. You know, they, they know just how far out to take things uh, before they get a little sketchy. But um, it, it has kept things fresh. And then also, you know, we, we do this thing, as I said before, where we'll go out for maybe eight or nine weeks and then we don't see each other for two or three months and then they're, they're off playing with their, their other bands. And I think that keeps things fresh for all of us as well. Yeah, I mean, they are in so many bands. <laughs> they're so busy, those guys, all the time. It's amazing. Yeah. Are you writing already as you sort of prepare for the tour and, and throughout the next tour, you're going to be working on a new album right away? I think, um, you know, I had, I started to uh, focus more on some chicken foot stuff once the break started. And it's still, you know, like technically it's really early in that sort of phase of touring for me. I mean, we usually do, a, you know, we put out a record and then there's maybe two and a half years before another record comes out. So I generally don't think about instrumental music um, or preparing for another record until at least another year, you know, goes by of touring. So I generally like to look somewhere else and do something different. So I've been concentrating on the Crystal Planet uh, animated TV show and working on some stray cr uh, chicken foot stuff that that Sam and I were working on um, here and there, you know, over the last six, seven months. Yeah, I remember over the last year there was some stuff in the news that there wasn't going to be or there was going to be and, and it sort of went back and forth, so that is in the works? Yeah, I'm still completely confused, like most people <laughs> in the <laughs> audience um, about that, but uh, I mean, I think it's pretty clear uh that um, you know, on the positive note, Chad is still playing drums. He's still in the Chili Peppers, and you know they're they're finishing up an album and going out on tour. So um, that's all actually positive news, just in Chad's world. And and Sam has been extremely busy. Um, he's got a radio show and a TV show, and he and Mike together in the circle, along with Jason and Vic, um, are continuing to do shows. They just have a very light touring schedule. Uh, but it kind of makes sense because Sam's got a lot of stuff on his plate. Um, but somewhere in there, uh, you know, I just kept writing songs and sending demos to Sam. So there were one or two that I think he just for some reason decided they they made sense to him and what was going on in his life. And, you know, he has the burden of having to come up with the lyrics. So mm. um, sometimes we have to wait until he gets inspired. Uh, so there is a track that's about 99% finished, and there's another one that's pretty close to it as well. Uh, what you know, how they're ever going to be released, I have no idea. But um, uh, you know, we're talking, we're working on recordings. That's great news. Uh, you mentioned the animated show. So what's the story with that? Okay, so um, a good friend of mine, Ned Evett, uh, pretty well known for being a fretless guitar wizard. Um, he uh, created a video for the Unstoppable Tour, and it was based on the characters from my 2013 art book. And as once that got done and we started showing it every night, we, we both started to think, wow, this thing feels inspiring to us. Like, wouldn't it be great if it was a comic book or an animated TV show? And uh, like two kids with total enthusiasm and, and no experience, we just went right into it and we started writing a story 
and generating scripts and he started doing voices and he learned uh, computer animation and we basically started making these huge demos that we that actually we show one of the demos we show uh, at the beginning of the of this concert of the shockwave tour and it's sort of uh, we were kind of breaking the ice with the audience getting them to try to understand this complex epic story called crystal planet and it is a sort of noir sci-fi adventure animation show and um, uh, in the past six months uh, Brendan Small from Metalocalypse has joined the team uh, as a as a producer and, and writer so so now it's the three of us and we're coming close to making some great uh, connections down in Hollywood to get this thing going finally so there was a good year there where we were convinced we were just going to do it ourselves and start to stream it from our site but we were encouraged by some early meetings that we should hold off and see if we could get um, you know, Netflix, Hulu, or somebody like that involved in, in sponsoring the show. Um, so we're taking that path now for the next couple of months, and um, it's great. Working with Brendan's great. I've known Brendan for quite a long time, and he's an incredible talent on so many levels, so uh, it's pretty exciting. That is really cool. I look forward to seeing that. I hope that happens. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Very cool. So, uh, well, great, man. Good catching up with you. That's that's awesome. Um, I look forward to the tour. I think you guys are heading my way uh, mid-March, so I'll definitely be there to check it out and uh, hopefully say hi. All right, great. Thank you. All right, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks to Joe for the interview. You can catch Joe on tour from February through April. For more information and upcoming interviews, please check theprogreport.com, follow us on Facebook, on Twitter at The Prog Report, or download the podcast on iTunes. Thanks. Thanks.